A new shop called Periodicals sits on the corner of Grand River and Warren, just a short walk away from Wayne State's campus. It's unassuming. The front door is set into a black brick wall with minimal signage and no real storefront display window. But as soon as you step inside, you're hit with warmth. Warm scents, warm lighting, and the soft flipping of pages. Periodicals deals in magazines. And we're not talking about people in Sports Illustrated. Think Art Forum, with its amazing high-end photography and interviews with incredibly brainy artists. Or publications from far-off places like Ghana and Berlin, offering glossy windows into other inviting worlds. Magazines totally changed my trajectory when I was really young. My dad bought a subscription to this magazine for me called Suede Magazine, and it totally changed my perspective. It, it let me know that like, I really did want to do something in art and culture, and you know, it's where I found out about Basquiat for the first time, or Afropunk. Alea Olu is the owner and founder of the space. She's also the co-owner of Olu & Company, an arts design and architecture PR agency that lives in the same building. We paid Alea a visit to talk about the new space and the power of print. This is Stateside. I'm April Baer. Alea, thank you for having us. It's awesome to be here. I'm happy to have you guys here. What was the chronology of the building of the space? Yep, so our agency actually started way back. Um, My husband, Amani Olu, started it in New York about 12 years ago. And we were in the Fisher Building previously, and we moved over here a year or so ago. Um, And then we acquired the space next door, like, you know, a few months after we'd moved in. Uh, And we slowly just tinkered with the space. So, you know, I was like head down working in PR at the time and I would sort of jump next door and say, oh, we should paint the space cream or we should put up a wall here. So we tinkered with it and then eventually we had to open the door. So I could tell as I was coming in, there's a lot going on in this building. Do you mind showing us around? Yeah, absolutely. So in this space is the actual shop, periodicals. Um, it's a small space. We divided it with this wall and a lovely arch so that we could have a um, warm, intimate space to feature um, our publications. So, you know, with our agency, there's a lot of there's a lot of love. There's a lot of care. There's a lot of mutual um, respect. And so I wanted if we're going to have a front facing space, I wanted people to sort of feel that warmth. So it was that, but it was also this sort of ritual I had when I was really young of being in my room and curling up with a magazine and having, you know, all my little creature comforts around me and just feeling um, really good and excited to um, stumble across something fresh. So we have about 200 magazines. Um, and in these nested in these little coves here, we have products that sort of make you feel like you're curling up with a magazine. So we have candles, skincare, um, you know, like body lotion, tinctures, um, even like writing tools, synthesizers. So when people come in, you know, they always say, oh, it smells so good in here or it's so cozy in here. Um, and that really is the feeling like I wanted people to feel like they were coming into like, you know, a a bedroom or a den or like an intimate space. And the walls are cream. So, you know, wanted the space to feel very nurturing. Um, So the walls are cream. There's like 
warm, cozy strip lights and and there's there's a bench with a very luxe uh, velveteen cover on it yes. for sitting down and browsing. Yes, yes. So greens and creams and browns and stainless and stone, uh, and it's a really simple assortment of materials. But these are always sort of my go-to. I mean, my house looks like this. <laughs> This whole building and the whole space is so great and so unique. How did you and Imani find it? I grew up not far from here, um, and Grand River has always just been such an interesting thoroughfare for me because it goes diagonal throughout the city. Um, and I've kind of always sort of had my eyes on whatever new things are happening um, around town. And so as Prince Concept started to develop this area, I really loved just their ethos and approach to development. You know, it's adaptive reuse. So, you know, the developer doesn't tear things down. They make better use of what is here. And that just really spoke to us. So when the periodical space opened next door, we didn't know what we wanted it to be. We just knew we had to have it. It had <laughs> um, skylights and exposed beams, and it was just a really cool spot. And so, yeah, we slowly tinkered with the space, and here we are. We need to take a break. Back in just a minute. Support for the Stateside Podcast comes from Kalamazoo College, offering a personalized education that combines critical thinking, curiosity, and creativity. Committed to preparing students for meaningful careers that make a positive impact on the world. More at kzoo.edu. Support for Michigan Public's stateside podcast comes from Lake Trust Credit Union, working to empower financial well-being for Michigan consumers, businesses, and communities. Committed to financial solutions and advice to support people and families. More information at laketrust.org. I was curious about the organizational principles here. I mean, there's there's a whole range of stuff from yeah. like, you know, the the more structured contemporary art world to things that are, you know, a lot more down home. Like is is everything just living together in harmony here? Everything is living together in harmony. The idea is for people to come in and sort of just discover what's on the shelf. We I didn't want to categorize it you know, by fashion or architecture. I just wanted the shelves to be completely discoverable. Um, so we have just a range of subjects. So like you said, contemporary art, we have interiors and, you know, we have magazines that run the gamut of interiors. We have like open house, which is like a more minimal sort of like Japanese aesthetic to like cabana, which is like layered and, you know, maximalist and lush. Um, we have one of my favorite magazines is Air Afrique. Air Afrique was an um, African airline, and they sort of made this publication based on the in-flight book. And so this is about just like contemporary African culture in London and on the continent. I saw a number of titles here that reflect what's going on in the other cultural capitals yes. around the world, yes. not just L.A. and New York. Can you say a little more about your interest in making sure that people feel invited beyond the borders of the U.S.? Yeah, I think, you know, the hubs like L.A., New York, that is where the market is. And, you know, that's there's always going to be interest there. But living in Detroit, we know that, you know, s cities that are not so 
um, on everyone's radar is where subculture really happens. And so a lot of these other cities that um, are being focused on in these publications, like, you know, Antwerp or Spike Magazine is based in Berlin. It's really interesting to see things that are happening in smaller hubs because, you know, that is sort of the nucleus of where things start. Can you take us back to when Baby Alea was just picking up on Suede and yeah. other publications about what what it was about the experience of receiving something yeah. and having it in your hands like and, and the receiving the ideas in that way, what yeah. what that was like for you? I think, it, you know, it was really cool. So Baby Alea, and it's like 2002, I'm like 14, and um, a lot was happening, right? A lot was happening in hip-hop, a lot was happening in fashion. There was so much subculture happening, and I think there was a lot that we would see on the surface on MTV and BET and, you know, like 106 and Park, but then there was so much that was happening under the surface and that wasn't so mainstream. And so for me, my mom wasn't interested in cables. So I didn't have like access to, um, you know, the media in that way. And so magazines were like a really important form of media for me. And so I would read Vibe and I would read the source and I always felt like I had a leg up on like discussing music or discussing what was happening in the culture because I was consuming what writers were saying from their firsthand experience being in the culture. And so when Suede came out, it just sort of added a layer. You know, it added fashion, it added travel, it it in the way they treated editorial, the way they designed the spreads, they really took something as um, nuanced as like a nail shop in DC in their care, you know, and it, and it was, it was beautiful. So it really taught me then as a baby that, you know, no matter what the idea is, it could seem insignificant. Um, but once it hits the pages, it just, it makes any idea really important. And I think the nuance and like, um, sort of flicker of an idea is sort of what, magazines ignited for me early on. So when you became, when you grew up and became a professional in, in the industry and was working in, in PR and communications, I mean, this is another field that has a strong link, um, not just because obviously, you know, clients and, and their interest in, in getting ad placement, but also like there are whole magazines like Adbusters that right. are industry mags that are very much about ideas and what is current, what is happening. Like how did, as, as you got older, what were the kinds of publications, whether they were art catalogs mm -hmm. or industry mags that were influential on you? I loved Adbusters. Um, Adbusters really helped me sort a lot of ideas I had um, like political ideas I had, because again, like, you know, I, I couldn't just go to CNN or um, MSNBC or whatever for opinions and for a sole point of view. And so magazines like Adbusters really taught me about like, you know, subcomandante Marcos and like, you know, these, these activist movements that were happening in places that were really off of everyone's radar. And so Adbusters was a really important one for me. I thought, you know, this sounds kind of cheesy, but even like what Teen Vogue was doing back in the day was really interesting to me. Um, and I had a friend in high school that was actually featured in Teen Vogue, and I was like, okay, wait, like, so <laughs> this is very close to home. 
I think when a lot of people think about periodicals and magazines, they think about something they might pick up in the airport and see people who they aspire to. And even fancier mags like uh, Architecture Digest, you know, there's a lot of looking and a lot of coveting that goes on. And I feel like there are some magazines in here that kind of blow up how we think about magazines in that way. Can you maybe describe one or two of them? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I my favorite magazines are the magazines that really focus on lesser known characters who have a really strong impact. Um, so I love Spike magazine. Spike is based in Berlin and it's an art magazine. Um, this issue is focused on AI and um, digital art. And, you know, when people open a magazine, you know, they expect to see a celebrity sometimes or like a really nice interior. Um, so it's really beautiful to open a publication and see someone's work and then see long form text about why this work is important or significant. Um, I also really love um, the Travel Almanac. Um, and this cover features Lourdes Leon, which is uh, the daughter of Madonna. And what I love about this magazine is the spreads are just, the, the print is very beautiful. It feels more like a journal. Um, and you have like just different typeface and the words are situated on the page so delicately. You really do feel like you have a book or something um, that you could go back to for years and another issue's coming right behind it so you can build a, a sort of collection. There's a, there's a strong literary mag feel on that one. Yes, yeah. very literary. Um, another publication I love that I think really, really does a great job of reframing how people think about magazines is Deem Journal. The founders of Deem are friends of ours, um, and Deem launched around 2019, 2020, and this is a magazine that focuses on design uh, as a social practice for shaping and building a new world. And so there's a lot of diversity in the way, the in the text and in the layouts, um, and the images are big and bold and beautiful, um, and they speak to people who have really been working in the design space and the activist space and the architecture, city planning, you know, landscape architecture space for so long, and, and the platform that they're able to put these people on through print is, is just fantastic, so that's one of my favorites. What have you what have you noticed like as folks are coming in like who's coming to check it out? We're pretty close to Wayne State. Do you get a lot of student traffic? So I <laughs> one day when we weren't open I got a group of students um and they were they were disappointed when they tried the door and it didn't open and we were in here and we were like, oh no, you know, come in and they were working on a class project and they were all so excited to be in a space. Um, full of magazines and you know they were picking up all kinds of stuff and I encouraged them to just like pull things off the shelves like you know spread magazines out um, really like dive in before you decide you know what you want and so yeah I mean I really want this to be a resource to Wayne State and CCS students just like come in hang out flip through magazines like it's really about um, the discovery and the browsing, um, you know, then that's really the most important thing for me. I just want people to discover things, even if, you know, they go home and research more about the magazine. It's that, that point of discovery. You know a little bit more about what's going on in publishing's back of the house than some. Yeah. It's easy to look at these beautiful magazines and all the photography and all of the design and all of the writing and all of the direction 
and think everything's great. <laughs> and I, I take your point that, you know, publishing hasn't been dead, but it sure has gone through some weird stuff. Yeah. What would you say about what supports the artists and the creatives who we see represented on these shelves? I think the biggest thing that supports you know, the people behind the magazines is the sheer will to keep magazines alive. I think um, from the publishers to the distributors to the shops to the editors, you know, there is sort of a small army of people that are really dedicated to making sure magazines prevail. Um, during the pandemic, I saw so many magazines shutter. Um, you know, there were magazines that we worked closely with and we didn't even know until day of that they'd you know stop printing the issues and it's it's it happens a lot just like we see with the you know writer strike in film um it's really also difficult for writers on the editorial side and so you know for us it's really important to make sure we're like continuing to feed the industry in whatever way we can because writers have so generously like spent time and written beautiful stories about our clients and so i think while there is this feeling that print is dead and print is dying, there's a lot of energy in the industry. There's a lot of people who just really love doing this. You know, even the products that we carry. So Sandor is a shampoo conditioner. Um, it's aloe-based. It's a really beautiful product. But, you know, in speaking to the founder of Sandor, I learned that she's a hairstylist for editorial. So a lot of the you know, spreads we have here, she's done the model's hair. So it's, the industry is not just, you know, photographers and models. There's so many people on these teams. And I think that is what's interesting about just sort of the perseverance of of this industry. There's so many people that love it. When periodicals open, you guys didn't really do any press for it. No. Which seems a little funny for public relations professionals. <laughs> what was yeah. going on there? I think I think for us, I wanted journalists like yourself to just discover the shop, you know, to love it for what it is. I think, you know, for us, it wasn't about, it wasn't about getting the word out so quickly. It was just telling the right stories about the space. Um, and I know that, you know, those stories, those stories will come, but it, it, it was just really important for, for us to have sort of organic storytelling around the space. It, it sort of goes back to this really taking an, an idea that no matter how small, no matter how insignificant or significant, just taking an idea into your care, I think that is really the point we wanted to land on when we opened periodicals. It really is about continuing to build this culture and to build this community in Detroit around magazine lovers. And that's the Stateside Podcast. I'm April Bear. You can find full Stateside episodes at michiganpublic.org. Today's episode was produced by Ronia Kavansak. Other producers on our show are Mike Blank, Mercedes Mejia, and April Van Buren. Our podcast editor is Rachel Ishikawa. Our executive producer is Laura Weber Davis. Our interns are Olivia Moradian and Lauren Neong. Pod music comes from Blue Dot Sessions and from Audio Network. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Hi. 
Hi, I'm Rebecca Williams. I'm Lester Graham. We've been working on a big project about Great Lakes birds called the Bird Connection. It will look at ducks and trumpeter swans. Egrets and herons. And piping plovers. Yes! We'll discuss what we've discovered at a Michigan Public Issues and Ale event. Including how some problems for birds are problems for people. It's at Arbor Brewing Company in Ypsilanti the evening of May 21st at 7. You can register at michiganpublic.org.